This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me and she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tonish Michael Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the, the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. The Left Wing Podcast is in association with Aldi, official supermarket of the IRFU. For the chance to win €50,000 for your primary school, visit www.aldi.ie forward slash play rugby. O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh, Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Let's have another! Darcy O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, Step. Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast in association with Ali. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined. Well, actually, maybe not delighted, it's a sombre occasion after the opening weekend of the Six Nations. Bye, as always, Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. Yeah, I feel like we should have some kind of candles and some kind of wreath or something. Okay, like yeah, I didn't know where you were going after candles. I don't know what kind of mood you were trying to set. Was it? Well, yeah. get your hopes up, did you? Uh, no, look, it was uh, grim stuff. Yeah, very grim. Um, dour enough affair. Uh, I think probably a combination of you're never as good as you think, but you're probably never as bad as you think either, Will. And I think off the back of that, I'd say um, we got beaten on the day. We didn't play well, but they played very well. There's, so There's two things, I think, that, that in our sport. It's like whenever we think maybe the soccer team's going well, a 1-1 <laughs> draw is never too far around the corner. And for, for the rugby team, whenever we're going really well... The Wales game is over this the years. This is not true, Will. This I just really feel true. like we're always... We, there was, how many people predicted we were going to beat the All Blacks? I didn't. I know I'm ever Well, you said we'd be pumped by the All Blacks. You well, were predicting... Like, I'm on the record of saying that. You don't need to push... Like, you don't need to really drive that home. But no, the fact of the matter is, sorry, and is that we've had this, like, um, expectation around the team for a while and they've delivered. They haven't delivered this time. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Everyone relax. It's going to be okay. There's a great coach there. There's a great group of players there. They didn't play well in the weekend. That happens. You need to figure it out, move on, and get on to the next game. And I think they're going to do that. And I think they're going to beat Scotland well, actually. Well, that's a, at least putting some positivity <laughs> back into proceedings. And it's so unlike me. I think, so the, unlike I think me. The, the worst part of the, the defeat was that in the Irish Independent Six Nations preview magazine, I predicted... As back-to-back Grand Slams for Ireland, so that's uh, gone up in smoke. And uh, the lads, so did I. Don't worry, we're both. The, in well, the lads kindly, for some reason, for my one, they added an exclamation point after my prediction, so it made it sound like I was like back-to-back Grand Slams for Ireland, like shouting it for some reason. Uh, I can produce proof that there was a full stop at the end of that sentence rather than an exclamation point. Too late, Will. 
the exclamation mark is in ink on the paper. So, uh, yeah, well, it was a good read, wasn't it? I, I did enjoy our, uh, our our preview magazine. Uh, I suppose I can say R now, can't I? Well, it's yeah, only two and a half years I'm in the, in the building. Long enough. Um, yeah, no, it was a good old read. I did enjoy it. I, I, I was actually surprised at the exclamation mark. It was very <laughs> unlike you. It was very composed. Me, like, Usually you're trying to control me. Yeah. Usually you're trying to calm me down from making some kind of outlandish yeah. point. Well, you can you can see when I, when I was kind of accusing everyone associated with Irish rugby of like getting set up for a fall. It was only myself that I was talking about really because I, <laughs> I I really thought that they were going to win this game. Oh, so did I. Yeah. I thought it would be tight. Uh, well, you know, no. It shows how funny sport can be. Like, there's so many quote unquote experts around. Like, we like to think that we know a bit, and we talk about it every week. But there's not a single person predicted like a comprehensive English win where they would be like, you know, 15, 16 points up going into none injury of, time. None of them predicted it either. Like, sports impossible to predict. Mm. It's impossible to predict. Like, they're asking you to consider so many variables and make a call about a score. Like, I never take that crap seriously. I go, look, I think they'll win because. For a number of factors, it's hard to beat them at home. The record previously and how the form coming into it—that's all you can base the the, the the decision on, or the, the you know the decision about what the score is going to be or who's going to win the game on. I thought it was going to be tight. England weren't that bad in November; like they only lost to the All Blacks by a point, and they kind of threw that away. They beat South Africa. Ah, but um, it's so funny all the revisionist history now. It's like, but they weren't that bad in November. But like a week ago, we were saying, well, they were lucky to beat South no, Africa, no. which they were. They were lucky, but they should have beat New Zealand, which is what I said. Yeah. Um, and again, they they only should have lost to South Africa because of a bad tackle at the end. Yeah, so, I, I'm just, I read a couple of pieces like on Sunday morning, Monday morning, that are just kind of recontextualizing like the last year. Sell papers, will? Yeah, not no, not in the end, no, not the end. Other newspapers, other newspapers. You bought your own brand, is what you're doing. Uh, but one or two people kind of, you know, putting results that happened in last year's Six Nations into new context that like doesn't exist. Saying, oh, like England were getting, re- you know, we're fl- we're a bit too flogged last year. You know, building up to this year, that's why they were so shit in the Six Nations last year. And it's just like that's complete garbage. No, but they, in fairness, they were beaten. They kind of did. Like it's almost like the complete reverse of what happened in Twickenham last year. Like we beat them well. Yeah. I was really surprised at that. I thought that was going to be a tight one. Um, I thought this was going to be a tight one. So it shows you what I know. Mm. Absolutely zip about the scorelines. Can't <laughs> predict them. But what I would say is, I thought again, we're not as bad as we as we make ourselves out to be. We're probably not as good as we make ourselves out to be either. Like I mean, it, it, it it's a game of fine margins. It's really difficult to go a really long period of time without losing games. Like and Ireland had had a serious run. Um. And we've been on a great run. There's no need to panic now. Like, the the World Cup is the cherry here. Like, we want to get ourselves back in the race now for the Six Nations, of course. But it's going to be an uphill battle to win the thing. I think very tough. Very tough to win this thing from here on in, right? But it's not not impossible at the same time. The key part, let's get prepared for the World Cup. We've never, we've always messed this World Cup thing up. Let's get it right. Let's build towards that. Let's have that as what we're talking about all year. Because that's the key part. Like and I hope that's the conversations going on behind closed doors in the Ireland camp is trying to figure out, well, what happens if we have a lot of injuries? What happens if we don't play well? This is great. They have something now. They have a blueprint to go. Jesus, if that doesn't work, we know now. We need to get messages on to Johnny Sexton or to Conor Murray and say, lads, not working. Let's do this now. And if we're not doing that well, you need to get that right now because we can't get in the game otherwise. So it helps with your key messages in pressurized scenarios, which is going to happen in the World Cup against all the best teams. So. Good time to get the learning. I'd rather have this than against Scotland in the first round in the World Cup. I'd rather be prepared for something like this. Well, we're going to bring in Keane Tracy of the Irish Independent in just one minute, but very, very quickly, Wales-France in the opening night was a bit of a topsy-turvy game. What you expect? Yeah. Wales have had a great record over there. Yeah. Honestly. But from a French perspective, what a collapse, even by their standards. Like, Yohan Hugé, one of the all-time Six Nations blunders. Van Mouin is 
triple skip, like winding up but his, his body. But his the same as Stockdale's. Yeah. I know Stockdale's at least was kind of, I suppose, uh, Jack Noel, great tackle by him in fairness, but, you know, still a bad mistake. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. I don't even know what to say for poor old Huge. Um, great player, but that's a stinker. And, um, yeah, the second row pass. But, uh, just a brain fart, yeah. Comical. Dan Cave summed it up well. It's like only in France would like the second row with like a two point lead in like pissing rain. Got to throw like a triple skip pass, like winding his arms up for like five seconds. They're absolute lunatics. And I saw Van Moina there saying he didn't know that he was the captain. So he was whenever um, was it uh, who was the captain? There's Grado. Yeah. yeah, went off. He uh, he he didn't know. So the referee was like, "Yo, what do you want to do?" And he was like, well, "You should probably ask the captain." I was like, you are the captain. <laughs> like if your own Sums captain doesn't know, there's something wrong. Um, but yeah, they're just, I don't know why they don't get the organization piece. They don't like it. They don't want to be more prepared than everyone else. They just want to jouer. It doesn't work for them. They have the best, one of the best player groups available to them. And they just can't get it right. Can't get the player management thing right. Um, they're just a mess. Yeah, <laughs> They're a real mess, right. Will. It's sad to see because they, they have potential to be so great. They really do. And it's a shame that they're not. Because like if, Fra- if France were, were like really humming at the top, uh, of their game like it makes world rugby better it's mm. another team we don't have like rugby isn't a mass you know it's, it's not the mass it's not available to the mass it's not like soccer where there's you go to the world cup there's probably 10 teams that can win it there's probably 3 or 4 teams that can win a rugby world cup mm. um, and we, France should be one of them and I don't think they are at the moment well does that answer your question? Yes. Yeah, not very succinctly. Summed up the, the, the <laughs> kind of kept going a bit there, of French though. rugby <laughs> there. Uh, we'll move on to Ireland versus England. I'm delighted to be joined in studio by Keane Tracy. And Keane, as we touched on a few minutes ago, nobody was predicting that result, 32-20 to England. So much to unpack. You know, the Irish you know, attacked it really firing and defended really well. But, but for what for you, what, what jumped out to you from the result? Yeah, I don't know where you start. I, I, I was kind of surprised. I thought one of the most interesting things I think to come out of it was um, Joe Schmidt telling the print journalist afterwards that he felt before kickoff that there was something... That was bizarre for him to say that, I thought, it was It was very on Joe Schmidt-like, I felt like. And I, I, I don't know, has, mo- has enough been made about that? Like Because I was out in Carton House today and... Um, was asking Keith Earls about it, you know, like, did you notice anything? And I'm not expecting him to say that he did either, but he was like, well, we're a quiet backline, you know, anyway, so we don't be roaring and shouting. But he did say that um, lads weren't hopping off the ground and maybe there was something in that. So I think that was one of the most interesting aspects that Joe Schmidt noticed that there was something off. Now, putting your finger on why that was is one thing and going out and doing another. But I think it's a concern that, once again, Ireland started Six Nations slowly. Um, the last couple of years has been the same. Scotland, even last year in Paris, they got out of jail with the drop goal. In a World Cup year, you know, they just can't afford to start a World Cup, particularly because Scotland are first up. And I know we're getting ahead of ourselves on about the World Cup, but it's been a hallmark of this Irish team. And I think that is a big issue in a big yeah, year. It's funny, Luke, we'll get to your specific thoughts on the game in a second, but do you think there's something to that? Like it's been said before that <clears throat> maybe Joe Schmidt wouldn't be best suited to coach the Lions team because it would be such a short build up before they get into the big games. And there has been a couple of Six Nations where we haven't hit the ground running. Is it, is it anything to do with his style being so intense or there's so much to learn or there's so much to get used to that they do start slowly? I don't know, actually. I really don't know. It's a good question, Will. I think the Lions thing for me is the the challenge with that part of, oh, sorry to answer that part of your question, I think is, again, it's the body of knowledge. It's, you know, he will be, like, it kind of takes him a while, I think, to get a bunch of players together moving in the same direction because there's so much, as you say, to kind of get your head around and he expects a lot and he is very intense and training can be very, very demanding. So that can be a challenge for people to adapt to. Um, but I still think he'd be brilliant at that job. Um 
I think like Ireland last year, like there was one mistake in Paris. Um, they didn't play well in the game though. You know? They did. They were better than them. It was terrible conditions. I was at the game. Terrible conditions. They were way better than France for the but whole. That's not game. saying much because France were poor too. But Ireland didn't hit the form that we know they could either. Yeah, but it, the conditions didn't really allow that well. The conditions were honestly they were really really poor. I thought, and um, I I felt that. Ireland got very lucky. I thought they made one poor mistake. There was one missed tackle. I think Rob Carney made an error from chasing the kick. Um, and Teddy Tama, I think, sidestepped him and uh, obviously nearly ran in for, for, the, for the try. And just, it was... Uh, or did, sorry, we did run in for the try. Did he? Sorry, excuse yeah. me. Um, yeah, but it was, a, it, was a, it was a poor error. No, it was on the kick chase. There was an error on the kick chase. Yeah. It was let yeah, go yeah. back down the, the touchline. You never, you always bring the players back in towards where your defenders are in field. You never bring them. If they're going to beat you, they beat you inside towards your defenders, not away from your defenders. Um, so it was a really poor error there. And that cost Ireland. Ireland were on top in the game. And again, it was always going to be tight. And the initial parts of the championship... I say it over and over again. It's the hardest part of your game is to get the attack flowing. I thought England did did it quite well, but they had kind of moments like and they did they did they split Ireland by the scrum. No, it was kind of errors like a kick kicks in behind. It was kind of concerted pressure. I thought defensively they were brilliant. Like I thought that was the difference. And I always think at the initial parts of the campaign, it's who retains the ball better, who defends better. And who kicks better? Because they're the easiest parts. Your kick chase, to get organised, that's an easy thing to get ready. Your defensive pressure and cohesiveness, that's a thing that's, that you can get ready quickly. And that's, again, down to mindset. And it'll be interesting you know, to probably delve a little bit further mm. into why maybe they didn't fire so quickly defensively. But um, I thought Ireland didn't do those things very well. I thought they were a bit more passive defensively. I thought they made lots of bad, like, like three or four really bad decisions out wide. That cost them. And people always talk about like your... Defend, you know, your the second centre is the toughest place to defend. I'm telling you, the wing is. I say it all the time. You're marking all the fastest people. You're on the end of the line. You've got the biggest distance between yourself and the fullback. Usually, that's the biggest distance between either. The only place that has a, a comparable distance is between ten and nine, or ten and seven. Depends who gets out first. So, it's the hardest place to defend. And you saw it on the weekend. You saw it. It's like that's where all the errors came from. Bar obviously the intercept. Um, so Ireland just didn't get those basic things right and it's the start of the championship it's really hard to get the nuances of attack ready to play top class international rugby early you have to get the defence right and the kick we'll, right early we'll move on to that in a second but do you think there's anything to what Joe was saying after the game that he just noticed there was something off in general with the team's attitude that they weren't as fired up as they had been previously or they weren't as maybe tuned in I thought it was an, it's a kind of an odd statement to make for him and it's kind of like um it does show you that he he's his finger on the pulse like you know they did look a little flat so it's unusual that they didn't try anything to counteract that but then it's really difficult at that point because all the preparation is done and it's kind of down to the player group to get that clean, I, no? I I agree with you I think it's all well and good coming out saying that there was something wrong but why wasn't something done to to rectify it at the start if you were able to recognize that there's a noticeable difference in you know what they had in November why wasn't something done because talk is cheap after the event mm. and hindsight is great but I I mean, I think I think England did play very well though. That was the thing, and we kind of discussed it in the pod, like you know Eddie Jones not knowing his best team, and I think he almost stum- he's almost now stumbled upon a really good centre partnership because he admitted that if Ben Teo was fit, that he would have played. But I thought Manu Tulagi at twelve, it, he was just sensational. Like I mean, I, like I was starting to have doubts: was he actually still this player that he was in twenty twelve when everyone was saying he was a world beater? I thought he was outstanding, and then. I think that freed up Slade, who, you know, there's been so much talk about him that he was going to be the next White Hope in England. And I thought he was sensational as well. Like, I mean, as a combination, I thought the two of them were class. And then the two of the Polas, when they're playing as well as they are, um, 
bringing Courtney Laws coming off the bench had big impact. Her big players had big games and Ireland's big players did not have big games. I think it was the first time James Ryan hasn't probably hit the heights and when Ireland's big players, Johnny Sex and Conor Murray, like th- these guys just weren't on it and Ireland can't afford against a team like England to be off it like they were. Yeah, they definitely lost the physical battle and I, a lot of people have been saying that when Ireland do lose the physical battle that they don't really have a huge chance of, of, of coming out on top in games. That Do they have a plan B? Of, of breaking teams down if they're not getting over the game line consistently is that is that a fair criticism? I don't think that you can have any other plan. Well, there's no like if you win if you lose the physical battle in rugby, mm. um, you know, and you don't off the back of that if you're losing that you don't kick well, because that's another way. Like once the momentum stops, like if you don't kick well, you're in serious trouble. There's no point in having a plan B. There's there Ireland don't need a plan B. There's this rugby is not a complex game. It's not. It, like if you're not getting momentum in the tight exchanges, you can't go outside teams. You have to like you know, it's really difficult. They usually have extra numbers. What do you do then? The plan B for every team in the world is kick it. If you don't do that well, and by the way, it's way harder to do it when you're not getting momentum because you've half a second less or a second less at times to make all these decisions. So, or, or to get yourself set to be in a good position or to get the people outside you set going forward and the defence going backwards. It's not a complex game. Like, to talk of like changing plans. There is no plan. Like, rugby's simple. Win the physical. You have to win the physical and you have to figure out a way to do that. You have to be up for the fight. You have to be, you know, and which was concerning uh, that they weren't up for an English game, you know, if, if that's what was kind of said by the coach. I'm surprised at that. Um... But uh, like that's uh, people talking about all the different plans. Well, you got to win the physical battle first and foremost. You have to have to do that. Nothing else works in rugby if you can't do it. And the kicking game that you mentioned there, mm. you know, didn't really fire. Like Conor Murray's coming in for criticism for some of his box kicks. The chasing England were very shrewd, I guess, mm. in how they kind of kind of flooded the the area, yeah. the, 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 those areas to, to stop the chasers running. Like, what did you make of, of that? Part? I, t- I thought you're on the money wheel. Yeah, they, I like there was plain to see. I thought Ar- Ireland's back three guys got no. Like Larmer was jumping for the ball two yards away from where it was being but kicked. He, he couldn't get. Yeah. He couldn't get into the space. Yeah, I thought England did that really well. It looked like they were like, well, okay, we're going to be brilliant defensively, and, and Mitchell has to come in for a bit of a bit. Yeah. Of yeah, they were yeah. really he's getting, he's getting so yeah. much stick yeah, before the game. Yeah, like I was like I was saying, look, he sounds like he's a really odd personality, and is he like? It is a kind of one of those things where you're saying, well, like it's kind of a bit like is it is, is Eddie Jones kind of doubling down? It's like another personality like him, mm-hmm. do you know? And that's always the concern. You're like, well, is it too much? Um, because that had been the talk in the last year or two about Eddie Jones. But geez, the defense was brilliant. But it looks like they said, well, if Ireland aren't getting momentum there, and we're planning that they're not they're going to go to the air like every other team in the world. How do we do that? We get the guys prepped really well. You saw them in camp with the funny stuff over the eyes. I know that didn't exactly simulate. It was an odd drill, but they were obviously focused mm. on it all week and they were saying, if we do this well, we've got a really good chance of keeping the pressure on Ireland and we're going to shield those guys well. They, they Ireland did that gave very well, didn't they? they, they yeah. the, the, little, the, the dark arts, but they did it yeah. They did it so, so well. That little but block you just have to work hard in that, Keane. It, like yeah. like, it wasn't like the referees missed like guys but, pulling guys back or changing direction into lines. They just, they did, like, half of it is actually going, Ireland are kicking now. I'm going to, I'm going to piss it back and I'm going to beat the, the Irish defender into that space. He's got to go around me or he's got to go through me. He can't go through me. It was like watching Ireland though. When Ireland do it well, these yeah. are the kind of things that Ireland do very well. Like, so they've almost took Ireland's template and said, okay, yeah. we're going to beat you at your own game, which they pretty much did. Like, mm. Well, New Zealand do that as well. Yeah. They ki- like If they don't get momentum to kick it, 
You know what I mean? Mm. They kick it to get back field position or to put pressure back on to get control of the game again. Like that's what you do in rugby. Like it's not like people will say, oh, you know, you know, you need to be creative. But you can't be creative when they're when they're slipping extra guys up into the line to defend you. If you're not getting any pay in in the tight exchanges and getting the defense going backwards, you got to kick it. You got to kick it really well. England knew that they did it really well. That's what every team in the world. That's what New Zealand do all the time. New Zealand kick the ball as much as any team on the planet, you know. And I just thought Ireland were a little bit off in the kicking game, and I really paid. I thought they didn't as well. Very unlike the the Irish team. They gave no protection to the guys at the back. Like Keith Earls was so exposed. If you don't now, I will say. England were very lucky not to get a second yellow. Oh, How a Toje doesn't yeah. get a yellow card for the ball landed a meter behind him. I was an absolute joke. We were asking, we were asking him about that today, you know, and it was very interesting to, to he actually told us that he got he picked up the injury from kickoff. It wasn't actually the Atoje one. It was Atoje did it from kickoff, but he said he felt it straight away and he knew. But we were asking him about Atoje, you know, and. The quotes in tomorrow's paper, or whatever you know, won't say the full story, but you could tell by his body language. I think that he felt like you know that he sh- he should have went, like because he said he watched it back and it was so dangerous. Like I mean, his his leg was so high, he was never going to win the ball like that. The like, ball landed a meter behind yeah. him. Like I don't, how is that? That's not a penalty. That's a yellow card. Like he cleaned him completely out, regardless of the injury part. Of it, I wasn't even discuss. I don't. I wasn't even discussing that. That never even came into my mind when I'm calling that a yellow card. It's a yellow card. Like it's like jumping into a guy with your knee up. The, the ball hasn't even come down yet. It yeah. landed behind him. It's ridiculous. He, he he wasn't fully fit though. Sorry, my point I should have explained it better was like he picked up the injury from kickoff and I think that had like a, an impact in sort of in the back three because Eddie Jones said afterwards that they didn't target Robbie Henshaw. I think he, he said he, they would have, if Lance Armstrong was playing a full back, they would have targeted him was his, was his mm. quote. But they did target Henshaw and they got so much joy out of it. And then when Earls wasn't there, the communication mm. wasn't there and Robbie Henshaw just looked a bit lost there. You know, he hasn't played there enough and they exposed it for what it was. He didn't have the game time. I, thought he, I actually thought he, this is going to sound really weird. I actually thought he was one of the guys that played better. I think they were, seriously. I, think I thought don't he, think that he was kind of caught out of position on certain occasions. Not like really, Farrell, no. Farrell kicked quite very cleverly. I thought. Yeah, I thought he did kick well. He did, and I thought definitely he could get. He definitely could get a little bit better. I didn't think he got caught out. I really didn't feel that way. I felt like there was a few where. Like again, he didn't get much protection from anyone coming backwards, and he didn't take a few of them. I thought there was a few that were very short that he came in for that probably weren't his. Uh, they're just good kicks. They're they're actually the ones that, you know when they go up really short from the nine, you're like, they're actually a nightmare because you nearly mm. always get them back because there's no one in that space because mm. you're defending to going to come in with momentum to like a thirty meter, maybe twenty five meter kick that kind of range. They were going like fifteen and twenty, too far to come in. Like Rob Carney, who I consider probably the second best in the world after Falao in the air. Maybe Ben Smith could be in that argument. Like I. <laughs> he couldn't even take them. They're not for you to take, um, I don't think. So um, I thought Robbie, Robbie Henshaw came in for a, a lot of unwarranted criticism. I thought actually the other guys who, uh, like the defending on the, on like the, 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 the kick in behind and the, the, you know, I thought Stockdale was awful. D- I, I thought he was actually terrible. And he, like, it's like he's not like, for, he's like, for that kick. Yeah, you're allowed past the ball. Like, yeah. you're allowed past the ball. Like, <laughs> how many times did you go through? You're like, you will get the ball back. You don't have to, like, carry it right into someone's shoulder. To pass it, but he, like, it doesn't look like it's not even in his mindset at the moment. I think like he's playing with a lot of confidence. He's mm. scoring loads of tries internationally. Got to throw the pass. There's one where CJ Stander made a great trail line up the middle. I was thinking, pass it, you'll get it back. Pass it this time, you just trail him. CJ will give it back to you. There was loads of occasions, and Ireland did not let the ball go when they got into those wide channels. And 
they were I think their timing was off that was one thing I did notice with, with, with Robbie I thought the timing it looked like it was all off in the back three how many times did you see a pass where you should be throwing it to open space I noticed myself I did it all the People time people were checking their runs consistently they, but they yeah. were checking it wasn't the quality of the passing it was actually the, I think the guys stopped passing it out there because they were so you could see they were squeezed up you need to be really like when a defence is that aggressive you need to be deep because it draws people if they're coming forward it actually draws them even more forward sometimes or it creates the hesitation because they can't get there do you know what I mean yeah, by that? Yeah. I mean, so like, if, if you actually, if your depth is wrong, if you're flat enough, they'll just keep coming. You know what I mean? And, and like, either you go over the top, but if you're that little bit deeper, it creates a little bit of indecision. They go, well, I don't think I can get to him. And if he gets it away, I don't know. That's what, the, I just thought their depth was off. I thought that was one thing Robbie will learn a lot from from this week. Hopefully, I think he gets another shot again. But I don't think he will, mm. though. That's that's the thing, because with Gary Ringrose out injured now, you know, mm. the logic would suggest that uh, Robbie Henshaw will go back to 13, Bundy at 12, and Rob Kearney in, which I suppose creates the bigger question, should Joe Schmidt, you know, if he's going to play him there against England, is this a project he has to stick to until yeah. the World Cup? Because... While I didn't think he was awful by any means, I just thought he was a bit naive in a couple of instances. Um, the build-up to Daly's try, like I was watching it back, England go through nine phases and Ireland are like defending so well. And then he gets the ball and he doesn't find touch and Farrell launches the counter-attack. They go to the other side of the pitch and that's when Robbie Henshaw slices the kick off his left. Oh, but yeah, if he had yeah. found touch at the other side, it was one of those things where if it's Rob Kearney, you're imagining, because he went for a massive kick, you're just finding the safety of touch, get set again, and let's regroup. And pick it on his bad foot as well. And it, yeah, it kicks on his bad foot, and then two phases Should after that. Check back, Kenny, no time. After that line out, they yeah. scored. Like, so it's just one of those things where it's probably, he's only going to learn with experience, but is he going to get that now with Gary Ringer's out? I don't think well, he is. But he made, no, he made no errors. That, like the, the, the errors like, in the first half, like, what, why is Stockdale coming up for... They're perfectly... They're, you can see it's a two-on-two. Why is he coming up on the line? Mm. And then he has to go and turn. Like, it's awful defence. Like, you're going to have position... Like, that was actually a really good kick I thought Farrell put in to put Robbie on his left foot. I thought he was a little bit late there. Like, a little bit... I thought that was the one thing I was like, he's just a little bit late. But you can see he's reading the game mm. well. He's just a little bit late. I, I actually felt like... like the, the Keith Earls one as well, like... It's very difficult to say he's a really good friend, like, but Jesus, like that was an awful defense. Like, yeah. there's no need from the panic there to come up that early, and the Stockdale as well, like really poor. And like Larmer for the midfield scrum, yeah. anytime you end up in of a midfield scrum, like watch when when Slade throws the pass, he is exactly square with Robbie with uh, Gary Ringrose. Never, you should never be square. You're always conceding mm. ground off a off a midfield. Always, always conceding ground of first phase in a midfield scrum. Always, always, you're never flat. Like he, how he ends up flat, how his body shape ends up square for a second. The ball goes straight, and he's just never going to catch. And Larm- it's, it's a funny one. Like last year, Ireland's wide defence is under the microscope a lot. They can see a lot of tries in the Six Nations, and although it hasn't really been talked about a huge amount because there's been other things like how well England defended the Ireland attack, but kind of what I'm hearing from you is that you think it was actually our defending and why why challenge that, that causes. A hundred percent, Will. Like at the end of the day, like this match was there was four points in this match when. Uh, Slade got over for the try. Now I'm not saying that the pressure wasn't on and they were playing better than us. There's no doubt about that. Um, but it came down to individual errors. And like pressure can do that. I, I get that. But England didn't have like massive amounts of possession. We think I did I did think at times it looked like we found it difficult to get the ball back off them. But leaving that aside, they didn't have massive amount of possession. Mm-hmm. Like we ended up having a lot of possession in our own in, in our own half, in our own twenty two. We made lots of errors there. But God, the defense was poor. Like it's really poor. It's like, and it's difficult. I know when you're trying to get off the line all the time, it is really, really difficult. Honestly, it's the worst place to defend is on the wing. Because as I said before, the biggest gap between you and another player 
is you and the guy outside you, which is 15, who's covering the kick. It's a really difficult place to defend. And that's where all the errors happen. If you look at the Stockdale one as well, and obviously the Keith Earl, ones, Keith Earl's one was very... Up, like, Conor Murray missed the jump on his inside, but he's still in the line. Like, you just... You can't you can't just leave two guys over there with... Like, especially if it's a second pass. If it's a third pass, you're saying, well, look, you should be able to get there by the third pass, but it's not. It was a poor... The Stockdale one as well, it was awful. Like, really, but they, if you look at it from behind, they're, they're perfectly marked up. And he should be covering that chip in behind. Just stay where you are. Don't panic. Panic stations. You know, for things like that, like I mean, Robbie Henshaw, like is, like is going going to learn in defending in different channels by playing at full back. But you know, just say Chris Farrell is another option to play thirteen this weekend. That's what I think. But do you do you think like both of you? Do you think that he has to stick now with Henshaw at fifteen, having gone with it, or do you? I I don't think he he has to do anything. But yeah, after one game to jettison it would just be. So you think play him at fifteen this weekend with Farrell at thirteen? Well, it was interesting. I'm pretty sure I read Joe saying that he thought Henshaw actually had a good game. Yeah, no, I did. No, yeah, I think because I, yeah. I think the same thing. I watched the game and I was thinking, yeah, there was a few messy bits, but he definitely wasn't one of the reasons that Ireland lost. No, definitely not. And it's funny, like supporters like have such a short memory because like people seem to think Robbie Henshaw's uh, career only started when he went to Leinster, like because the amount of people saying like, oh, he's never played fullback, but he played so much there for Connacht, and this has been in the pipeline. But it has been years, years, and like by all accounts in Portugal, like he was running really well, now, albeit in training, like but. He, and he played against Treviso a couple of months ago. Again, like... That was only about 40 no, minutes, though, wasn't it? Yeah, no, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, that Joe Schmidt has wanted to try yeah. this. Like, it, this didn't just happen... Yeah. He didn't pull this out of thin air. Like, yeah. he, I think a, it's definitely worth persisting with for one more game. And but, but I, keep going. Like, yeah. I, I don't see... Like, uh, I, this is kind of the... Uh, what I did find... I think it was the manner of the defeat, and it's been so long since we've been kind of bullied around like that mm. by anyone. Um... But this isn't the end of the world. Like, the World Cup, let's, like, it's the World Cup here. Like, let's for once in our lives go, it's about the World Cup. Like, I, that's my one thing about this. I've been kind of saying, I, I, maybe I've been kind of half on the fence with this thing, but really, like, I should be trying these things out now. Like, this is the time to do it. Like, no, who cares? Like, honestly, this is going to sound so throwaway, but who cares about the Six Nations now? Seriously, it's about the World Cup. Let's get to a semi-final at a minimum. We have a chance to do something special with this group. They're well capable. They've beaten all the best teams. Like, so what? We I, lost I, England. Yeah, I guess like, the hysterical reaction was just that, like, how, how comprehensive the defeat was. I just, think that's what it is. But just, yeah. just, one, just one point on that, though. I think, I mean, England have shown now how to how to beat in every sense of the word beat Ireland so I think South Africa would have been watching that game and going if we're playing them in a potential quarter final of a World Cup we're just going to beat them and bully them like because you know that's what Ireland are going to have to get to because if they come out and if they're off the pace again like that against a South African team they're going to find it tough I think but I think like I'd be really really worried if a coach at this stage did not know that that's what Ireland do well mm. that's what we need to to stop I'd honestly be seriously concerned. You should fire that guy. Jack Brunel, maybe. But still. Uh, well, look, they don't even know who their captain is for parts <laughs> of the game. So, um, like, look, I, I don't know. Um, I, again, I feel like it's a good time to get the lesson. Uh, I think we, we learned a bit about the team. We learned that, yeah, look, we can't just show up and and win a game. We have to be on the game. Like, this is international rugby. We're playing against top-class opposition. You can't, like, you can't just show up and it's all just going to work because you've got all the plans the basics of the game, you still have to show up physically. You have to try and smash the other guys in every part of the game. And and, and that's, that's a good learner for this group. I think it couldn't, couldn't have come at a better time, uh, for, in my opinion. As a reminder, you're listening to The Left Wing, sponsored by Aldi and Keane. I just want to touch on something that you wrote about on your column on Monday. Uh, there's a small kind of portion at the end, but it was about the atmosphere at the Aviva Stadium and about how, you know, 
it didn't really do the team any favors on the day, considering how you know how big a favorites they were and how much expectation and excitement there was. It was pretty flat, especially when you compare it to the All Blacks game. Yeah, like I, I suppose it was only a short piece, like you said. But I suppose the point I was trying to make was it shouldn't take the All Blacks coming to town for the Viva to have a, a really good atmosphere because this game was massive. Like I mean, a six a Six Nations opener opening your Grand Slam defense against England. I mean. What more, what more motivation do you need? And I mean, it was so noticeable coming up to kickoff that there was still so many empty seats. Three rows of empty seats right. in front of me at, with at, people on corporate junkets. I, and I stuff know, like that I know. It's, after I know. It's I was one of those junkets. <laughs> <laughs> you swanned in five minutes late. I know. I know it's easy for me to say because I'm sitting in the press box, but I spent so many years going to matches as well. And like for me, I always wanted to be there early, like to soak it all up, to soak, you know, to, to take in what's going on. And I don't know. That seems to have changed over the years. Um, I'm not saying it that contributed to Ireland's slow start but there was just nothing there was just nothing going on like after the the anthems your people are still taking their seats and even from the press box you can see people are going in and out like constantly with points like and again everyone enjoyed themselves at a game like but how annoying is it to be sitting next to someone because it's happened to me before and the guy is in and out like every two seconds going to the going to the jacks or the bar or whatever but I think it's a team with the Aviva I just don't think I think you could count on one hand in, over the last 10 years the amount of times there's been a cracking atmosphere the All Blacks every time they're in town it's brilliant but I don't know there's just something lacking and I think it's disappointing because Irish rugby is in such a great place at the moment it's not always going to be like this it hasn't always been like this people should be Yeah, it's funny because like, the record under Joe with the Aviva has been so good but the atmosphere isn't always, hasn't always been great I don't know Like, do you think that matters to the team to the players Do they? Does it help? obviously it helps them when the atmosphere is good but conversely like if it's flat, does it matter? Um, oh, I kind of have a weird view on this one. I kind of feel like it's never really... I've never really... Like, if a crowd is roaring for me or not, it never really matters. Never mattered to me. I never felt like oh, a massive... I felt like the nerves before a big game, but I guarantee you if there was one man and a dog, I would have been really nervous regardless. Um, I think some some people do get a lift. I feel like maybe especially close to the action. I think because I pro I spent a lot of my career kind of away from the action a little bit in terms of like you know on the wing near the crowd or maybe in the centre or whatever. Maybe well you hear some of the comments are <laughs> cracking in fairness over here, especially the Welsh crowds. Dragons is, is a highlight. You should the definitely dragons. every winger should play in Newport at some stage. So Friday night just to really parade. yeah any of your physical attributes <laughs> that are lacking they really yeah they they get stuck in especially when I was going ball towards the, la the latter end of my career. Um, um, some really, really good stuff, um, I, I will admit. But leaving that aside and getting back to the serious point of the question, um, I think maybe the pack, I think sometimes that, that can be a huge lift for them when they're going through like a really tough kind of 20, 30 phaser and they're kind of saying, you know, you just got to keep going, your head down, you're pumping the legs, you're hitting all the rooks, you're knackered. Um, and you're just, you know, that could maybe give you a lift. Out wide, you're kind of trying to stay calm. You're kind of trying to say, well, look, they're working, they're, asses off in there I want to be in the right position and I want to be calm so if the opportunity comes I take advantage and all the hard work isn't for nothing um, and that was kind of my, my, my I kind of always was kind of disconnected maybe a little bit Will um, like I noticed like I always noticed the Millennium Stadium like wow and the Welsh guys always got a great lift I think from that but you couldn't hear anything it was always frustrating because you couldn't make it you know no calls in nothing like that so from a personal perspective, and again, it's a weird one, I think, because I get the point, but um, I was always disconnected, um, and it never mattered that much to me whether there was people roaring, because you always want to just get the best out of yourself and beat the guy opposite you. But what did you make of the atmosphere the weekend? <laughs> Back to the question. Yeah. Um, I thought it was flat. I thought England managed it really well. I've, I'm on the record on the old 
tweet machine there, mm-hmm. um, kind of thinking, I thought England managed it really well. I, I, I felt that it was nearly a tactic. I know when they got the guy Sinman that I was thinking, okay, makes sense at this point. But then it went on for the whole game. Like Garces was trying to get the guys in like for every single line. It looks like they were just like, right, slow it down. Not saying they're like, I'm not saying it was like a fitness thing or anything like that. They didn't think they could keep up with Ireland. I thought it was a tactic. I thought they were like, let's just nullify the crowd here. Nullify the crowd. Anytime we're going to get the ball, we're going to nullify. We're going to slow it down. Walk in slowly. Get set slowly. Someone goes down with an ugly injury. Uh, you know, get the water guys on. It, it took like, it was honestly, it was the worst game of rugby I've ever been to. But what? The, I swear to God, Will, I know it sounds really bad and it wasn't just because Ireland lost. It was so slow. You can ask, honestly, everyone around me, I was thinking, is this the slowest game of rugby? Honestly, I was uh, like, right, I'd, had a, few, I'd had a few points. I'd had a few points, yeah. and I was like, honestly, <laughs> I was literally like, is this the worst game of rugby that anyone else has ever been to? And I was like, they're all customers. <laughs> I was like, well, all I mean, you know, the, yeah, I obviously was trying to retract said statement a few times, but I couldn't help myself. I was like, this is the slowest thing <laughs> but, I've ever watched. Just on just on that point, I mean, I don't think that by doing that they were actually puncturing the atmosphere. If you know what I mean, because there was none in the first place. That would be my point. It wasn't like the crowd were roaring and this was this feverish atmosphere. Yeah. I think it was just flat anyway I think England did that very well I think you're right because I noticed that as well I was well. like this is taking an age why can't they get anything restarted like, but I, I don't, just want to watch some rugby like, I, don't, I don't think that was the reason it was so quiet though if you know what I mean it didn't help don't get me wrong yeah. but it wasn't like it was that, a combination they played yeah. very well like, they yeah, nullified ab- Ireland well absolutely and the England crowd were louder than the Irish crowd now granted they were playing better Like, but the, the loudest Ireland, the Ireland crowd was when Swing Low Sweet Chariot was sung you booed. Ireland, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I booed myself uh, yeah it was it was it was it wasn't a great atmosphere really. yeah. it was a little bit disappointing I thought there'd be a real fizz in the air um, and I probably probably down to a combination of a few things I'm not, I'm not sure those things are ever like one thing I'm not sure because I've been in the Aviva and I'm thinking Jesus what an atmosphere again the New Zealand ones are obviously standout mm. ones um, but some of the Welsh ones have been good um, you know some of the autumn internationals the, the Australian game was brilliant there um, I'm not I'm not going to even venture a guess of the year <laughs> but um, there was an Australian one remember the 16. Nick Fibbs got a great try yeah. there was a few and Zebo got a great try remember the one over the top there was a great game that was a good atmosphere, I thought. But uh, yeah, it was very flat. But I thought England managed it well. They were really smart. Honestly, I have to, you have to say, as much as they've been criticised as, as a coaching unit, it looked like they had every single box ticked off. And I was concerned about them making that call about going over to Portugal and just coming straight over into Dublin. Different conditions, you know. An Irish team that I felt was going to be absolutely buzzing, like ready to get into a championship again. Um and I felt like that was a risk, but it looked like it really paid off because they were really well prepared. And in fairness, the conditions were great for them. Mm. Like, it was really cold, but it was really good conditions yeah, for rugby. Ideal, yeah. Yeah, so it worked in their favour. Okay, we'll move on to Scotland now. Like, so it's a very tricky game to, mm. to come back into. You know, Ireland lost there two years ago, and Joe Schmidt actually referred to it after the game because yeah. obviously it was an opening day defeat. Buscate. Yeah, Buscate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, no. we, were, we, were, we were chatting, slagging uh, Greg Feet today. We were so asking funny. Greg Feet um, <laughs> who was driving the bus this weekend <laughs> <laughs> just to make sure. <laughs> so a lot of focus will now be on team selection. Gary on Ringrose. the bus selection. <laughs> the bus yeah, <laughs> Gary Ringrose ruled out. <laughs> Devon Toner ruled out, CJ Stander ruled out Keane. Mm. So, like, what way do you expect him to, to, to line out the team? I think we got a, a good few clues, actually, today. Um, in it. I think if we're going on what players and, you know, Greg Feek was doing media, was sort of saying, reading between the lines, I think it's going to be Quinn Rue who's going to come in. I actually thought this would be an ideal game to, re- like, unleash Alton Delan back onto the international yeah, foot. I really agreed. thought it would have been. Fair but fair. I think, again, only reading between the lines, it looks like Quinn Rue is going to play with James Ryan. Now, the issue that throws up is neither of them are experienced line-out callers, which is probably why Billy Holland was called into the squad um, yesterday. Um, 
I believe Quinn Rue will be the one who will call the lineouts. James Ryan has started to do it this season. Um, he did it against Munster and he did it against Toulouse. Um, different, different ball game doing it in an international. I think that's Could a. Try it though, would be. So I, I, I'm actually surprised James Ryan isn't calling yeah. it, but seemingly Quinn he's going to be the mainstay. Like absolutely, but seemingly Quinn Rue has done it a lot for Connacht this okay. season. So I think that's where they're thinking but that's probably one of the unseen things that you know is so important and we saw it in November like how crucial Devon Toner is so I, I think that's a concern I think there's a, a, a big drop off you know especially without Ian Henderson and Tyg Byrne um, I think to, yeah CJ Sanders interesting that's the big one like yeah. O'Brien back into the team how good was he when he came on did he, he look fe- sharp he was very really good sharp. to be honest like what I would do and what I think Joe Schmidt will do are two different things. Personally, I would play Jack Conan at eight and Sean O'Brien at seven. But I think because he's already going to be having to make so many changes, I could probably see just Sean O'Brien coming in and maybe playing number eight. But I like I, I think this game could be made for Jack Conan as, as well as you know, this is going to be a different game. Scotland aren't going to look to beat Ireland up, you know. Oh, I think they will, Keen, you have to. But you I don't can't think, compete with Ireland if you don't do Yeah, that. but I don't think they can beat Ireland up. Scotland. I, I think don't know. Jesus. I'm not convinced they yeah, can. They've got missing a few numbers. I'm worried about them in the World Cup, I'm not gonna lie. WPNL is a big loss for them at yeah, Scrum. Johnny Brain missed out last week. You know, as well. so it's a dangerous game like absolutely like Scotland are making so many improvements under Gregor Townsend it was hard to read anything into the, the Italy game they missed a lot of opportunities though, didn't they yeah, like in Italy were so, tries but you get that start of competition again yeah, of course yeah, ev- everyone is feeling their way into it but like yeah. Italy were so rubbish and then they scored a few tries after Scotland had emptied the bench near the end of the game but yeah. it's a it's a potential banana skin just like it is in the World Cup yeah I saw Stuart Barnes predicting a Scotland win at the weekend um, it is a dangerous game it is, and they've loads of threat everywhere. Um, I mean, it, the obvious ones, I'm not even going to go through them, but your hoggies and these mm. guys are a nightmare to deal with, you know. Um, uh, so they have huge threat. They can really hurt you. If their tails are up up there, they're really hard to contain. Um, Finn Russell, I thought, was excellent on the weekend. Absolutely superb. Perfect game for him, though. I'm still not convinced about Finn Russell in a big game I thought Ulster nullified him so well yeah. for Rassing and I think if Ireland get in his face well, it's more sort of temperament like he missed every conversion yeah. he, he kicked it at Kingspan you know in that game yeah. he created a couple of nice drives with some lovely assists but like he does crumble if, if he gets if, if he gets the platform he is so brilliant to watch like with his crossfield kicks but like I just can't see you, especially if Sean O'Brien and I like Josh. him he's tough as well he's a good tackler he is, I he is like but I'm, I'm just not convinced at yeah. the very very top level yeah, that yeah. if you're getting in his face yeah. I think he's a bit of a Brock, Brock James in him you know he is like on the tip of your tongue anytime <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah look it's a, it's, a, it's a potential banana skin I think Scotland have the potential especially in the back row to get under your skin mm. they're just a nightmare at the breakdown they've lots of threats there um, and Ireland have to start the game well They've got to start. They've got to get the bus driver right. They've got to get there on time. They've got to be ready all week. They've got to dust themselves off. That was a tough one for them to learn, but they need to learn, and they need to learn quickly that you cannot play an international match and not be up for the game. Is there any danger of the confidence of a team being punctured after having such a good run and then getting such a tough defeat? I don't think so, no. Um, I think they'll they'll recognise that for what it was. It was a bad performance. Um, I think it's a great time for some of the guys, especially in the outside chance. Like Stockdale needed a wake-up call for me. I think he's yeah. like he hasn't been tested really out wide and you won't get tested as, as much um, and, unless you're playing the really top teams in Europe. Um, you know, he, he gets himself in bad positions. I'm always worried about a guy who gets too many intercepts. He shouldn't be in that channel. It's it that, that's always a concern for me. You've heard me say Havana that. Havana wasn't uh, too bad, did you? Yeah, uh, but I still think he like there's there's a he was able to get himself out of trouble because he was so much quicker than everyone. He like he's kind of in the Doug Howler category where you're like, 
I'm not sure he should be there, but geez, he's in a perfect position now. Like it's he's he reminded me of that. Plus, South Africa were were great at defending that way. They just knew like he got so good at it actually that you were like don't don't throw any skip passes to that guy. That guy's wing. He just will get him all the time. And he was playing outside the Villiers as well. He was a, an arch. Like they were always just creeping on the edge. If you have guys on the inside who are coming forward as well, you're actually not really in a bad position. But Ireland, like on the weekend, Ireland weren't doing that. And if you don't, if the guys on the inside aren't coming forward you can't come forward on your own. It's just causing trouble, trouble everywhere. A really good example, actually, that is not to go back to Keith Earls again, but sorry, he was just really interesting today in a couple of the points he was making. Mm. But, you know, for the Johnny May try, mm. like he, he was saying it was 100% my fault because he went for the intercept. It was really interesting you say that because mm. he darted out of the line because he said um, he thought Elliot, Elliot Daly was Johnny May, so he thought he had it covered, but they actually had a two-man over yeah. that that they used. And he got he was out of position because he went for the intercept. It's just interesting yeah, that you say that because if he had backed off, you know, Maybe that try doesn't yeah. happen, but he bit in on the pass from Farrell was just sensational. It was a cracker, but he saw it coming. Like mm. you could see, like he, he, one look, and he was like, "That's on!" Like you could just see it. And then obviously, he obviously had a quick one when he got mm. it, and was like, "Yeah, it is." He can't get there. Like it's yeah. it's it's, it, it's great to hear Elsie. Like like he's because he's one of our best players, yeah. you know. Uh, and I just think he's come on so much in that respect. But it's good to see. You know, you put the hand up. Everyone knew it was that. It, move on. Get the learnings from it. It's you know? fine margins, isn't it? Because if he intercepts that, like it's you know. It's but then all the gobshites are saying, "Oh well, do, you know, it's yeah. not. It's like it yeah. shouldn't be. Like it's not. Like if you're in those positions, mm. you defend it correctly. Like if it falls into your hand, if you're coming for me, if you're coming from the outside shoulder of the person, and you're coming in that way, and you clip it, and you you take it almost nearly coming back to where is where the towards where the pass came. I'm saying, okay. Decent position. You came from a good position there. You know that kind of yeah. way. I'm saying because even if the ball went to the guy's hands or if it went by him, the skip, you're still blocking the, the passing mm. channel. You know you'll still get a hand or something on it. You'll break it up, or you always see it. You know when a guy touches the ball even slightly and the guy outside just drops because the ch the ball's trajectory has kind of changed. That's what I'm kind of saying. Good position. That 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 was fine. You you had that one right, and guys will usually see that from your inside, and they'll just like Draco was brilliant at it. He just he just tailing Shaggy always used to be in a great position for it, and, and Brian used to just drop in underneath them, or Gordon Darcy used to be great at dropping in underneath them. So Ireland don't defend really like that anymore, though, and that's the trouble. If they don't get off the line on the inside, and Conor Murray just misses the jump slightly on his inside, which accentuates it even more. Um, Look, it's a few situational things, but they need to learn from it. That's all it is. You sure. just need to stay patient of that. If you don't get the if your if your numbers are down, if you're not getting the pace on the inside, and I guarantee Andy Farrell will be saying, We've got to get more pressure on the inside, gotta get more pressure on the inside, because that was what accentuated all the problems. Just what we're talking about what they can learn from it. Take us into, I guess, an Ireland camp after a defeat and or even a Leinster camp when Joe was the coach. Like what's Joe like immediately after a game like that or over the next few days as he does build, especially in the Six Nations when this is such an important match coming up right away? The amount of people that asked me that, uh, Will, on, on, on Saturday, and I was concerned, there's no point in killing everyone. Everyone knows, everyone will be gutted. They'll be absolutely gutted with that performance on the weekend. Um, and, and I think he'll probably would have had a few choice words afterwards, kind of along the lines of, you know, this is what you get when you don't show up, lads. I'm not good, like I'm not here to, to throw an arm around your shoulder. I know you worked hard, but you just can't show up like that. You can't show up and not win the physical battle. Simple game. Um, and we got a few things wrong that we'll look at on Monday and we'll get, the, we'll, we'll get the learnings from it and we'll move on. That's all you can do in that scenario. You're not trying to, like, these guys are all professional rugby players. They'll know. They'll know. And if they don't know, they'll watch the video Sunday and they'll definitely know that they, you know, effed up. Sorry, I, I don't know. Probably allowed to say effed up at this stage. Am I, am I Gav? No, not allowed. No, Grant, but like it's... Anyway, sponsors probably yeah, not. <laughs> fair enough. Um, <coughs> well, yeah, look, I think it's... Um, 
they'll know that. So they'll just calm down. I think there'll probably be a really tough video session Monday morning. They'll do the backs first. Uh, they'll go through what happened there. They'll go through the forwards probably in their own separate time. And then they'll have a team one and they'll probably look at the defence and they'll say very, very poor in stuff. In your you experience, know. is you know obviously Joe is famous for coming up with game plans before matches. Is he better at that or is he better at... You know, bouncing back from defeats, even or is there? How would you kind of compare and contrast his preparation before a big game like that and how he responds to it one afterwards? Yeah, do you know, Will, I thought he was very good at all of them. I thought he's good because he's very process focused. You know, he gets emotional about some things at the right time. I always felt he had his finger on the pulse very well, which is interesting to hear him say. But I don't think he can change it at that stage. Like I think he could maybe have a word with with with, with Rory Best or Johnny mm. Sexton. Listen, the lads, you know, get up for this one, or maybe have a word with one or two individuals here and there. But if the group is feeling that way. And you're, that's your kind of... And remember, these are only a sense. Like, I'm sure he's probably felt those things before because you're heightened at that time. You're worried, oh, are the guys up for it? Have we done enough? I'm, you know, I'm sure they're all the thoughts that go through his head. Even no matter how controlled he is, there'll always be that concern because it's, it's out of his control once they get out in the pitch. That's when he loses. So he doesn't have that part. So, like, I always thought he was very complete, Will. I thought he was great. He gave a brilliant talk at the halftime in Northampton. He was absolutely outstanding for that one. Um, you know, as much as Johnny Sexton made the Liverpool reference, I thought Joe Schmidt was better. Like, he was brilliant. He had, he looked a bit shell-shocked when he came in. It looked like maybe Johnny Sexton had kind of, they fed off each other a little bit. Joe got a bit of energy and said, yeah, like, no, we can do this. And he had a few really good things, like... Greg Feek changed to a small bit of footwork in the scrum and we milled them in the whole second half of the scrum. They remember Northampton were killing us in the scrum. Joe made a few little changes, a few little things, a few little, you know, oh, you know, we need to change this slightly. Uh, you know, and lads, it's literally a few mistakes. They literally went up the end of the pitch and scored. We, we had a few opportunities in their 22 where we just squandered opportunities. These are close margins. We just need to win the close margins. And that's exactly what he had said in the weekend. And that's exactly what he's going to say on Monday because it was a game of close margins. There was four there was four points in that even though Ireland hadn't played well at the point where England... And you could really argue they should have had a yellow card in the first half for the Atoje. And you could argue there was two instances for that try. The pass... I don't. I just don't get this rule with the hands going backwards. I think it's a lot of absolute steaming pile of garbage. It is garbage. I was going to change. I was going to add something <laughs> yeah, else in mind, Gav. Don't worry, I saw him. You're about to bleep me out. Uh, it was absolute garbage. Like the, this pa that pass, that ball left his hands a metre and a half before the halfway line and he caught it about half a metre after the halfway line. Like, look at Johnny Sexton doing those no-look passes. His hands go backwards, but the ball goes to the guy doing the front door. It's mental, honestly. It's, it can't. It's that. For, that was a four pass, um, and I thought he was ahead of him for the kick. If it's a centimeter ahead, doesn't matter. You're ahead of the kicker, like so. I just don't know how Gar says and the guys got that wrong. Like that's clear to me. Um, so it's small margins. It was small margins on the weekend, even though they were. It looked like they were a lot better, and they won the physical battles. Tiny margins, and that's what he reiterate. Will okay, just before we finish up, came prediction for this weekend about both kind of the key team selections. You touched on a few of them there. Maybe centre and fullback as well, and this, how you think the game will go? Yeah, I I I can see Rob Kearney coming back in. I think just to you know shore up the whole thing. Um, Robbie Henshaw back into midfield. You know the backline has a very different look to it. Then uh, I think Gary Ringrose is a huge loss. I thought he was probably Ireland's best player against England, even though his absolute number did score two tries. But I thought he was, I thought he was excellent. Um, I'd like to see Jack Conan coming in with Sean O'Brien. Um, and like I said, I would play Alton Delan, but I think Quinn Rue will come in. Um, 
I think like you 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 have to um, anticipate a response here, like don't you? It, like there's just no way there isn't going to be a response. You can feel it. There's being out in Carton House, and there's an edge to the place. Like you know, like guys don't want to be talking to us. Like they want to be you know focusing on themselves. And I think that that can be definitely a good thing. Um, I think they'll get the job done. Um, but it, it is a potential banana skin. But I'd imagine Ireland should win it. Yeah, you, you, they have to really. There's no room for <laughs> any more slip ups. Uh, maybe to cover the, your kind of key team selection as well in a result. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'll start off with the result. I think uh, <coughs> I think Arna will do it this week. Um, I actually think they'll do it well. Um, What's well? I think they'll go for. Uh, I'm going to say two tries, fourteen mm-hmm. points. Hovering around the kind of being a pumping there. Uh, yeah, you can call it what you will. I think they'll be really. It's great to hear that there's an edge there. Mm. Um, I think when you sense that early in the week. Um, that's interesting. So, so did you not sense it last week, Keen? That's well, the key question. Well, like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, if I did, I would have. You were riding about the, ro- yeah. the roller coaster. Why did you ride that yeah, last week? The, the, the one thing I'd say is when you see Peter O'Mahony up for media on Monday, the tone is being set for it's the week. Probably said anyway. With you Peter. know, <laughs> <laughs> the tone is being set for the week. Like there's a man who will yeah. set the tone for the week, great. and you know, with the one word answer at the end. Yeah, and like like the week of the All Blacks, Johnny Sexton does it on the Monday. When Ireland are like that, they send up the big guns on a Monday and they get the message out there. Yeah, I think the key selections will be. I I actually like the I like the idea. I didn't think Josh van der Fleer did anything too wrong on the weekend. I think he's got a great body of work behind him, which would. I, I just I just thought Sean O'Brien like I said it last week Sean O'Brien's world class like he is world class he showed it when he came on he's one of the only guys that uh, that got any momentum in the tight exchanges mm. against the English guys um, plus he's got great handling I'd love to see him in there not a, not a stain on Josh he's been brilliant all year I will, I'll be very clear on that um, and I'd love to see Jack Cohn this could be the big chance for the guy mm. he is, he's been brilliant for Leinster you could argue before November he should have been in ahead of CJ Stander I think he could make a really really good case for that actually uh, so he'll have felt hard done by. So big chance for him. He needs to take this now with two hands. And then um, the centre, I go with Chris Farrell. Like, like Rob Carney played worse against the Scarlets than like Robbie Henshaw played against England. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much stock I put in that game. Though. It, was, it, it just screamed of a game of a guy who, d- who didn't want to get injured. He was like, why am I here? I should be in Portugal training with the lads. And I know that's a, like, it might not be the case, but it just, it just seemed to me like his mind was elsewhere. Like He knew what was coming on the line and it actually cost him then. But you can't do that. It's no, I know. But game, that, you haven't played but that, any games in. You haven't played. That was the second game, uh, for like since November. But, and like yeah, that's your big chance. It doesn't care. Like if you can't, you have to get up for that. But game. the type of tackles he was missing, it there's just not what you really associate with him. Like in my mind, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm sure, I agree with that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, no, I don't. I, I never. That's never been a strong part of his game. Um, he is one of the best in the air. Uh, no doubt about that. He is brilliant at that. There is no doubt in my mind. He's always been. He's been the best before I saw Israel fall out in the air, um, and that's an invaluable asset to have. But in terms of the defence, I'm not sure I agree with that. Um, I think that's always been a poor part of his game, to be honest. So uh, you have to be up for those games. You have to make those tackles. I, I think so. I'd be sticking with Robbie Henshaw, and I think Chris Farrell's a great player. Or Will Addison has been excellent as well in that position, and he probably gives you a little bit of nuance there as well. I'm surprised he hasn't been talked up a little bit more. Actually, he's a lovely footballer, and Joe is very fond of him. So. Um, you know, not to completely take the boot in, but I wouldn't be digging the boot into Robbie Henshaw either. I really like him. Like I'd be bringing Rob Carney in possibly on the wing. Uh, I think ahead of one, like ahead of a Stockdale or something, like ahead of Rob dropping Robbie Henshaw. Weird, but there you go. Well, on that note, Luke Keane, thanks for coming in and make sure to read Keane's big piece for Keane Earls. You've been bigging it up all podcast <laughs> in tomorrow's Irish in the, the Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. <laughs>
That's all we have time for on the left wing this week in association with Aldi. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll be back next week with another podcast reviewing Ireland versus Scotland. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening and goodbye. The Left Wing Podcast is in association with Aldi, official supermarket of the IRFU. For the chance to win €50,000 for your primary school, visit www.aldi.ie forward slash play rugby.